You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday, day before a game gets played for the Pelicans. We'll preview their upcoming preseason game against the Knicks tomorrow. But today, we're going to look at really one thing, and that's the NBA GM survey that came out. This is always kind of interesting and kind of maybe gives you into some insight into the biggest decision makers in the league. Not some of the biggest decision makers, the biggest decision makers, I should say, in the league. So we're going to kind of just break it down, talk a little bit about it on a slower news day here in this edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the GM survey is released annually, and basically what this does is they, t- they survey all the GMs in the league, they ask them a number of questions, and they kind of give you percentages to give you some insight on what those guys are thinking. When we talk about the percentages in this sort of thing, um, this is based out of, as they say, the, the number of GMs that respond. So I don't think they respond to every question. Basically, it breaks down to 3 4%, depending on how you want to round, is the minimum of one person voting for them. So if you ever see something like that, which says three, that's one vote that they get. And it's kind of important for taking a look at some of all of this. But they dive into a number of topics. Standings, best young player, best kind of overall players by position in the league, a number of other things, coaches, other uh, different you know acquisitions, underrated players. We're going to dive into some of this, and we're going to tie it into something that may come up in the second segment here. We'll probably just do two today. So starting it off, it's pretty simple. They're looking at the Eastern and Western Conference. The Eastern Conference were less intrigued by. Basically, 90% of them predict Boston to finish finish first. Only 10% pick Toronto. No one else to pick first or second in the Eastern Conference. When it comes to finishing second, though, that's where you see Philly and Milwaukee and Indiana and Washington getting some votes. I'm not high on Washington. I rag on the Wizards all the time on Locked On NBA. And basically, of all teams, they're predicting to finish in the top half, so get home court advantage in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. You've got Boston at one, Toronto two, Philly three, Milwaukee four. Then other teams were picked where Indiana, Washington, and Miami has one fourth place vote in there. Last year, it was 86% picked Cleveland to win the East. The Western Conference is a little bit more interesting. Still, it's a 90-10 split to, of course, Golden State and Houston, as we expect. Those are the top two teams there. But last year, two more GMs picked Golden State. They were picked to win it by 97%. This is a little bit deeper. Houston, of course, is the overwhelming favorite to finish second. You have Oklahoma City is actually the overwhelming favorite to finish third, getting 53% of the third place votes. Fourth then goes to the Utah Jazz, who also had 33% of the third place votes. So the total percentage, those are really kind of your top four teams. Other teams getting picked to finish third, fourth, Something like that. You have the Lakers getting a third place vote. They had, um, what is that come to? Seven uh, fourth place votes. So a lot of people think, hey, they can finish in the top four. And that's probably based around LeBron James by himself. Portland's pick to finish 
fourth there a little bit. You have San Antonio getting some votes too, and Denver as well getting a couple of votes. So what this means for us, Pelicans fans and people here, is that none of the GMs picked the Pelicans to finish in the top four in the Western Conference. And you can't pick your own team, so Dell Demps had to vote for someone else here. But so no one thinks that the Pelicans have a chance at a top four uh, maybe not a chance. Don't expect them to finish in the top four in the Western Conference, which is pretty interesting. Still, the overwhelming favorite there is Golden State, but maybe not as much as last season, by a little bit less. And maybe that opens the door that we don't get a repeat of what we've seen in the past number of years, but still most likely to occur. So another category that matters to Pelicans fans is the MVP award. LeBron James gets 30% of the vote right there. Kevin Durant finishes second with 27%, and then Anthony Davis, just 17% of the vote. Last year, it was LeBron James by 50%. So it's dropped there, meaning a little bit more wide open than it was last year. Anthony Davis, not predicted here by the GMs, doesn't necessarily mean anything to go one and two. And of course, the Pelicans lost out on 3% there because Dell Demps couldn't vote for Anthony Davis, probably voting for one of the two other guys. Interesting to see. We talked about the kind of MVP race yesterday on the podcast. We actually talked about it on Locked On NBA as well. I do think Davis will have his numbers going down from playing with Randall Miritich and they're just being a little bit more offensive firepower in the front court, more shots to go around for other guys, which might make his numbers drop. Doesn't mean he's less impactful or anything like that. And certainly if this Pelicans team does finish in the top four in the Western Conference, I think you'll see him get a lot of votes. But if you're the GMs right now, not quite there yet. Another thing, though, where he finishes quite well after not finishing there last year is if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Giannis finishes number one with 30%. AD is two at 23%. Durant's three, 20%. You got LeBron James, 17%. Steph Curry, 7%. Joel Embiid with 3%. This is what's most intriguing to me is that last year, Carl Anthony Towns won this category with 29% of the vote, and he is not even in the top six this year. That's how far off the radar and people just aren't expecting that Timberwolves team to be any good if you're going to leave him off entirely after not uh, after having him overwhelmingly to win last season. Two years ago, by the way, this was Anthony Davis winning this category. So before we get to some of the other categories here, we will do three segments probably on the podcast today. Locked on NFL is quickly becoming everyone's favorite daily NFL podcast and Saints have a Monday night game coming up. On Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, you got former NFL QB Sage Rosenfels. Wednesday, it's Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursdays is the great Mike Sando of ESPN. And on Friday, you get Matt Williamson's picks to know what's going on exactly in the NFL. Follow it. You'll be a smarter uh I was going to say NBA, NFL fan. There we go. And make sure you catch up also on Locked on Saints, your daily Saints podcast. All right, so we continue going through the NBA's GM survey, and this is an interesting category that comes up next. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? LeBron James, number one, 60%. I don't think there's any surprise in that because he can just do everything. When we start talking about the positions in different things, he's listed in so many different places that when you can play all over the court, kind of like Magic Johnson did in his first year in the NBA Finals, 
it makes you just really tough to guard and you're a matchup problem. They shift you to a different position and your defensive game plan is out the books and you've got to change things up. You got James Harden at number two, just 20%. Steph Curry, three, 10%. Kevin Durant, four, 7%. And then AD comes in at five with 3% of the vote. Notice that these other three, four guys ahead of them are kind of wing players or backcourt players. And I think that's not surprising to see a lack of bigs on there. Usually they're considered a little bit easier to defend because you just kind of put a big body on them, keep them away from the basket. And yeah, it's a little bit easier. Uh, sometimes you have a more dynamic guy like Anthony Davis who does force adjustments, but for the most part, it's you try and take away the rim from him and you'll be okay. Whereas, you know, James Harden, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Durant, they can all hit threes and not just hit them, but rain them on you. So I don't think it's a surprise that Anthony Davis really, really drops. So when you start to get into the position by position thing, where it's who is the best whatever player position in the NBA is when it gets really interesting. And if there's one real big takeaway from this GM survey, it's that positions just do not matter in the league anymore. You have Steph Curry listed as the best point guard, but also the third best shooting guard. I think LeBron James is basically listed almost in every single category. Probably he's the best small forward. He's also the, where is it? Second best power forward. And he's going to play center for the Lakers this year too. You have AD listed as the best power forward in the NBA, getting 37% of the vote. LeBron gets 33, um, and he's over Kevin Durant, who's also the second best small forward in the league. And then you also have Anthony Davis as the best center in the league, and he played both positions a ton last year. So I think you can kind of immediately see that, yeah, positions are kind of pointless here in the NBA, and you've got to put the best five guys out there that work well together and can kind of mesh, and I think that's really the biggest thing. Some of the other interesting questions that we'll just kind of fly through here, which are pretty funny, which team made the best overall moves this offseason? Lakers get 70% of the vote. They got LeBron. That is an easy, easy answer right there. Which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact? LeBron James got 97% of the vote, so all but one GM, who then voted for Kawhi Leonard. Who do you think that one GM who didn't vote for LeBron James was? By deduction here, going to put on my Sherlock you know, mag hat and magnifying glass, probably it's going to be the, I'm, I just blanked on what's his name out there in LA, the former agent. But yeah, he has decided that Kawhi Leonard's the best offseason impact because he can't vote for LeBron James. So no surprise there. Some interesting ones, though, when you get to what was the most underrated player acquisition. Number one is probably not who you would think. It's Tyreek Evans with 13% of the vote here. Interesting. He had a pretty good year for Memphis. He was rumored to maybe get him a first round pick uh, at the trade deadline and then didn't end up getting moved. But he wins with 13% for kind of an aging guy coming off a lot of injuries, despite having a very good year last year. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the best move, though I know a lot of people did want him here in New Orleans. DeMar De there, so there's a number of people tied for two with 10%. DeMar DeRozan with San Antonio in there with the trade for Kawhi Leonard. Jabari Parker for Chicago. I think that's a terrible thing given the money. You got Dennis Schrader in Oklahoma City. Maybe that's a good one. But also Julius Randle for the New Orleans Pelicans gets some love there. 
finishing in a tie for second, getting some votes there. So it's kind of interesting to see another one, former two former Pelicans on this list. Uh, Trevor Ariza, not Pelican, but NBA player in New Orleans. Trevor Ariza going to Phoenix for 7%, getting a big money grab out there. And then DeMarcus Cousins going to Golden State, which again, I don't know if that's how uh, really an underrated thing. Maybe it's because he's injured and won't pay dividends for a little while, but it's kind of intriguing to see that. Which team will be most improved in 2018-2019? Lakers getting 18, 80% of that, and I don't think there's any surprise there. Another one that's near and dear to our hearts here is what was the most surprising move of the offseason? DeMarcus Cousins to Golden State winning with 35% of the vote. I think they say Kawhi Leonard, DeMar DeRozan trade, but you know once we kind of saw that he wanted out, a trade was probably going to happen. But I think maybe Paul George staying in Oklahoma City is one of the biggest ones. After literally like a two years almost of just rumors of him going to the Lakers, going to a big market, he ends up staying where he was traded to. I think that's noteworthy. And if you're Pelicans fans, it shows, hey, maybe they don't always want to leave and go to a bigger market. So they talk about rookies, and there's just really nothing noteworthy here if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, because I don't know if they're really thinking about Frank Jackson as a rookie, and I think maybe they just kind of want to see it from him a little bit more before they kind of vote for him. And also, this uh, class was considered pretty deep. The funniest thing to me on this, though, is the question of which rookie was the biggest steal at where he was selected in the draft. You have a guy who went 11 overall, 47, 7th, 14, 37. They actually have Donkic at 9. Kevin Knox at, or sorry, Donkic at 3. You have Kevin Knox at 9. And then you have the also receiving votes. And I don't get this because they put DeAndre Ayton Someone picked the number one overall pick in the draft was the biggest steal at where he was selected as if anyone could pass on him or like your scouting department so good to know to draft this guy in the second round deep. Literally, there wasn't a zero pick, so I don't understand how the number one overall pick can be considered a steal at where he was selected in the draft. So that one's just a little bit intriguing to me and that makes you wonder, are these GMs actually that smart in the NBA? But if you want to say smart and NBA in the same sentence, I've got one place for you guys, and that's the Locked On NBA podcast. Never went away in the offseason and is still here for you every single day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked On NBA all week long with daily 30 minutes on everything going on around the league. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On NBA. And also make sure you listen to the Wednesday edition because I co-host that every single week. Now we get to the defensive side of the ball, and I think this is kind of interesting and fun and maybe a little disrespectful for the Pelicans here. When it comes to the best defensive player in the NBA, Rudy Gobert and Kawhi Leonard tie for first, 37% of the vote. Draymond Green comes in three after having a down year, mainly offensively, but still down on the defensive side too, 17%. Anthony Davis gets just 7%, so two votes when it comes to this category. I really strongly thought he should have been Defensive Player of the Year last year. Part of that's me being a little bit homerish, but when you really look at the numbers, they compare to Gobert, they compare to Draymond Green, compared to all of those guys. And he played more than all of them. But if you're looking at it maybe pound for pound, that's where he loses it some. And I really only picked him over Gobert because Gobert didn't play a a ton of minutes at all that year because he was so hurt. 
But fourth is pretty low. And yes, Gobert is amazing. But Kawhi Leonard hasn't played in a year. We don't really know what he's capable of. Draymond Green was down last year and is aided by a lot of other really good defensive players around him. For Anthony Davis to do a lot of this on his own, not have other bigs to kind of take some of the assignments, I think this is not a slight for him, but I don't think he's happy about finishing fourth in this. Then you look at best perimeter defender in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard won 60%. Jimmy Butler at 2 He's not bad at defending, but he's still a little bit high. Draymond Green comes in there also at 7%. Then Oladipo on Indiana comes in at 7%. And then it's under the also receiving votes is Drew Holiday. He locked down the Portland backcourt in the playoffs. He was an all-defense first-team player. This is a guy who should be higher on this list and not outside the top four. You know, he's probably tied for five here, but still disappointing to see from the GMs, not from Drew Holiday. You're awesome. Go make a defensive first team again. Best interior defender, then, of course, it's Gobert at 80%. Davis gets 10%. This is just kind of a rehash of uh, best overall defender. This is stupid. And so, like, they, they didn't get the Pelicans right here. And, again, they, they're probably looking at some rankings from them from last year where they didn't start well at all, and they improved as the season went on, but it made their overall numbers look bad. And so I think you kind of see them being down on this team defensively, but they think they now have the best backcourt Defensively, in the NBA, the Pelicans do, and also they have a monster up front and down low with Anthony Davis. I think that is a great thing to see. Then you get to the coaching categories when it goes, who's the best coach in the NBA? No votes for Alvin Gentry on this one. Um, Who's the best manager, motivator of people? No votes for Alvin Gentry on this one. That one's interesting, though. Popovich, Kerr, Stevens, Spolstra. I don't really have any complaints with those at all. Which Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments, no votes for Alvin Gentry. I think that is definitely a safe thing to say because we've seen sometimes this team just gets in a hole and it's tough for them to climb out. Basically, when it comes to the coaching for head coach stuff, no votes for Alvin Gentry. But who's the best assistant coach in the NBA? And Chris Finch made an impression last year, finishing in a tie for third with 7%. You also have on the others receiving votes, Darren Ehrman in New Orleans. So top to bottom, this coaching staff is in a very good position, I'd say. And then when you go through it, there's basically no mention of any other Pelican coach, player, what have you in the rest of the survey. What's worth noting here, though, is how low maybe this GM survey is on the Timberwolves. And it just came out, uh, according to Woj, uh, a couple minutes ago as I'm recording this, that right now Thibodeau has no intention of, or has all the intention of trying to get him back, Jimmy Butler, back with this team practicing and playing. Butler, it says, is unsure if he's going to play in preseason or practice with the team. And it says he will not miss any regular season games as long as his wrist is healthy. may use the injury as an excuse not to play. But it sounds like if they're not trading him just yet, and I don't know what the hell is going on with them and why he hasn't been traded yet when he wants that and he's openly questioning if they're actually in good faith trying to trade him or just going to try and bring him back and hold him there, which, again, he's under contract. There's nothing wrong with it. They'll probably not the move you want to do. It's a kind of interesting situation. A lot of people are really writing this Minnesota team off. But Jimmy Butler's healthy and he's there and he's playing. You know he's going to go all out because that's the type of guy he is, at least on the court. 
I don't know if I'm ready to write them off yet, but the GM survey really doesn't reflect kindly on them whatsoever in terms of mentions or anything like that. And the way Carl Anthony Towns has fallen out of everyone's collective consciousness, I think is pretty damning. Maybe I'm not quite sure, but I don't know if we want to write this team off just yet because they could be a threat in the Western Conference as long as they have Jimmy Butler. And if they are trying to trade him, then this shouldn't be a problem for much longer. But I'd say right now that West, the Western Conference is still very, very competitive because because that Minnesota team just isn't going away quite yet. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Pelicans game tomorrow. I will, or yeah, tomorrow. And I will have the preview for you all as they hit the road, take on the New York Knicks. We'll talk about some other topics as well. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all tomorrow. 